Passionate DJ Podcast, where it's all about becoming a better DJ through passion and purpose. And now, your host, David Michael. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 49 of the Passionate DJ Podcast. I'm your host, David Michael. Uh, starting out, going to have a couple of quick announcements. The first thing I want to do is apologize for missing an episode last week um, and for Trip and Tony not being here today. Uh, this is something I just wanted to address first off in case this is your first time listening to the podcast. Normally, we have uh, co hosts, uh, Trip and Tony who are uh, awesome additions to the show. Unfortunately, this week they're not here. Uh, we couldn't get together and record. Um, we all had so many things come up at once that we just could not seem to all get together at once. And so um, this is kind of a uh, throwback to the solo shows back in the day when uh, it was just me talking to you guys in the mic. Um, but don't fret because Tony and Trip will be back next week. And we will be right back on schedule. We just all have so many things going on. We actually, Tony and I, tried to get together and record. We started recording replies to your voicemail questions. Thank you guys so much for sending those in. Unfortunately, we got about 20 minutes of recording done. We went to Dayton Studios, where we often record the podcast. And um, some other things came up while we were there that uh, needed to be done. And eventually, we were recording vocals for a, a great independent hip-hop artists and next thing you know uh, we just ran out of time and then so that file is still sitting at Dayton Studios or that recording rather Uh, we're going to come back to that so guys please keep sending in your voicemails we're going to try to get all the best ones on the show we would love to talk to you and hear your thoughts comments questions on the show so sorry for missing that episode last week that's not something that we want to make a habit of doing but right as we were recording that and uh, I found out like the next day that we were, uh, we being me and my family, were going out of town and we were gone for, I don't know, the entire week. So we're just kind of playing catch up now. So hopefully uh, you guys didn't miss us too much and we're going to get right back on track. I'm learning a lot about the difficulties of running a weekly podcast and this is something that I knew was coming it's something that you definitely have to really get ahead of. You know, you have to try to get maybe one or two recordings ahead of schedule so that in case something like this comes up, then you have something that will still go live. And uh, that's something that we've been struggling to do ever since Trip Tony and I all started working on this together. So uh, we're getting there, guys, and hopefully that won't happen again. But if it does, just know that we'll be right back to give you guys some great content, and uh, hopefully together we can all become better DJs through passion and purpose, all right? Now, I have been getting caught up on emails as well. Uh, A lot of you guys like to send in, especially you VIP listers, if you're uh, signed up for the newsletter, like to send in uh, the occasional email. And email is something that I really struggle with keeping up with. I do eventually reply to most emails, but... Sometimes it'll be immediately, sometimes it'll be a week later, sometimes it'll be two months later. Um, just depend- I just have really struggle with maintaining that inbox. So if you are really interested in getting a quick response, the best way to do that is to send in your voicemails because what happens is if you guys send in voicemails, especially if it's a question or something like that that we can base a topic around, you are helping generate content for the show 
which helps you, it helps me, it helps the guys, and it helps our entire audience, um, or at least the ones that would be interested in knowing the answers to the same questions that you're having or similar. So please, 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 I can't stress enough. I love getting your voicemails. Please keep sending them in. And uh, hopefully next week we'll come back with some replies to some of those. And what I'd really like to eventually be doing is uh, responding to a voicemail or two each episode rather than skipping a few and then batch it, you know, replying to batches of them all at once. I just like to work that, sprinkle that into the show over time. So keep them coming in, guys. Now, all that being said, uh, just a couple quick notes about the current state of Passionate DJ and kind of what's been going on. The first thing I want to bring up, and, you know, I'm, I'm being brutally honest here and I'm sure you guys will notice I'm just kind of throwing myself under the bus and telling you the struggles that I have with Passionate DJ um, and my DJ career. I, I really want you guys to be in the know with all this kind of stuff. So I hope that you don't see this as me, you know, just complaining for its own sake or anything. Um, I just like kind of keeping you guys in the know. So there's one thing I want to bring up. Um, there was a, I have some bad news. Um, I've been reporting numbers for uh, the amount of plays that the podcast has been getting. I have recently discovered that those numbers have been accidentally inflated. Um, what has happened is I've started as part of my whole um, uh, sort of rebranding of Passionate DJ. You know, not too long ago, we just went through the starts of a big redesign. We got new logos and colors and header graphics and that kind of stuff. And over time, I've been slowly replacing pieces of Passionate DJ to fit the new uh, sort of paradigm. Part of that was me adding a new podcast player to some of Passionate DJ's most popular articles. So basically, the blog posts that have brought in the most traffic over time, um, I've started incorporating a podcast player at the top of those posts so that if people come in, you know, if they, a lot of people are finding Passionate DJ through search traffic on Google or something like that. So when they arrive, they'll see what the topic is, you know, how to become a DJ, the ultimate guide, or best DJ controllers 2016, the ultimate guide, or whatever it is that brings them in from a search. They'll say, hey, here's the topic, here's the, what the guide's going to be about. By the way, there's this thing called the Passionate DJ Podcast. If you'd like to listen, here you go. And then it continues with the content. And that's been working out great. I love this approach because it introduces more people to the podcast without really being annoying. Nothing auto-plays, nothing pops up. It's just an option. And so we'll get some more listeners to the podcast. Uh, the downside, what actually happened was the new podcast player that I'm using to do that had a bug, which I had the joy of discovering, <laughs> which is that it caused a lot of our plays to be inflated. What was happening is on one of these pages that brings in a lot of traffic, I put this podcast player in line in the content. And when you load that page from a mobile browser, so from your iPhone or tablet or whatever, uh, if you load it from a mobile browser, it was triggering a download of the 10th episode in the list. So it lists, you know, from... Uh, descending order from the newest and that it shows 10 at a time like it has uh, pages and the very bottom one the 10th one in the list was getting just these crazy amount of plays 
and I couldn't figure it out. Well, what was happening is anytime somebody landed on the page with that player from a mobile browser, it was counting it as a play in SoundCloud, in my stats. So when I've been reporting 50, 60, 70,000 listeners, or listens rather, um, we're probably coming up on like half of that or three quarters of that. So there's a there's a section. Of, it took me a long time to figure out that this was actually happening. Um, so there's a section of uh, five or ten podcast episodes that obviously have way more plays than the other ones. Now, why do I bring all this up? Why why even bother? Why don't I just take take that for what it is and enjoy the uh, increased stats and and just move on? Well. Uh, firstly, that's dishonest, and I don't want to do that. That's just not how I roll. And I also know that uh, a lot of you listeners and readers have really started building a trust relationship with Passionate DJ and with me and with my co-hosts, and I don't ever want to do anything that is going to break that trust. So um, I'm just I'm all about transparency. I tell my audience way more about what's going on than a lot of podcasters do uh, behind the scenes because I'm just kind of an open book and that's how I that's how I operate now the other reason I want to bring that up is because even though that problem has happened and I have fixed it so we're not getting inflated stats anymore but there's no way I can go back and fix it um, over time I kind of figure that the problem will kind of even itself out because we are still even all that taking into consideration passionate DJ and the Passionate DJ podcast is still growing at a rate, a faster rate than it ever has before. Okay, so even taking that out of the equation, we're still growing, and we're still growing more quickly than we ever have. So what I want to ask you guys to do, what I'm trying to do is, you know, obviously when I found this out and I found out what was happening and I discovered that I'm not getting nearly as many plays as I thought, I immediately just felt really sad about that. I mean, that's that's kind of like getting punched in the gut, right? Like, oh, wow, I thought, you know, I was getting ready to try to bring sponsors on and I was giving them these numbers and now those numbers aren't accurate. So I got over all that. I'm done whining and moping about it. But what I want to do is use that as motivation to get the plays back to where I thought they were naturally, okay? So what I'm asking you guys to do is to, if you're willing, if you're down for the passionate DJ cause... Um, start sharing episodes. If you can go and just find your favorite episode right now, um, if you don't have a favorite yet, share this one on Facebook, Twitter, wherever, uh, wherever you like to hang out, just go and give it a share. Another thing that I'm, I've been talking about doing is putting together a sort of ambassadors group for passionate DJ, uh, people who might be willing to spend five or 10 minutes a week doing some related thing to Passionate DJ, whether that's to share a post or to leave an iTunes review or something like that um, for my most dedicated Passionate DJs. That's something that's really been on my mind, and I'm sure you'll be hearing more about that in the future, okay? But for now, if you could, call to action this week. Just share an episode of the Passionate DJ podcast, and let's get those plays back up where we want them to be, all right? Another thing I'm doing is a content audit, so that basically just means I'm going back to old articles about DJing on the site and either combining, deleting, or updating them um, because Passionate DJ 
even though the podcast is just now really coming into its own. The blog has existed since 2013. I'm a better writer now. The vision and the message of Passionate DJ has evolved over time, and I want to make sure that all content on Passionate DJ really reflects that. So that's another thing. If you start seeing articles shifting around, if you follow the blog, uh, something disappears or something uh, changes and you weren't expecting it, uh, that's why. Uh, the, the big upside to that is since we've shifted the focus of Passionate DJ to the podcast, we've really, uh, the, the articles, even though they've gone down in frequency, uh, I really want to put that effort into releasing high quality content. Uh, one of those things that I'm working on right now is another ultimate guide to tractor control hardware. I also want to do one for, uh, I want to update our CDJ's ultimate guide. I want to do several more in those, you know, this, just these four, five, six thousand word mega resources so that you guys are getting useful, relevant information. And then you can come here to the podcast for your weekly fix. All right. I'll also be restructuring our about page, our main home page, and all that. Passionate DJ is really just kind of in a state of constant flux right now. So uh, I'm going to do more outreach, try to get some more guests on the show. We're going to have some returning guests, John Chapel, Mr. Shifter. They're both scheduled to come back in. Um, one thing that you may or may not have seen yet, depending on where you follow us, uh, if you follow us on Instagram or Facebook, you probably saw this. There, uh, there's soon going to be a merch store for Passionate DJ, and I'm going to be selling T-shirts. And the first design has been revealed. These are professionally designed uh, T-shirts. And the first one is, I'll try to describe it to you. It's like a couple, and they're sitting in a, in a canoe or a boat on the water. And there's a, you know, it's nighttime, and there's a moon moonscape in the background. And the sky and the moon, the way that it's built, it, uh, the way that it's designed, it looks like a vinyl record is back there. So it's kind of subtle, looks like a, a record. And it's got, you know, a, a man and a woman sitting in a canoe together. And at the very bottom, it says, Deep House is for Lovers. All right, so that kind of gives you an idea of where I'm going with this t-shirt line. I've actually got five or six designs that I've been sitting on for a while, and I just haven't launched the store yet, but that gives you an idea of where I'm going with this. You know, there's a lot of DJ merch out there, especially t-shirts, but I hate 99% of them. I, I hate all those shirts that just say, they scream, look at me, I'm a DJ, and there's always some, you know, it's just like words on a solid color text. And I don't want to do that. I want to give you guys professionally designed t-shirts that have a message and that sort of thing. And stuff that's really fashionable and that you would want to wear whether or not you were a DJ. I, I felt like there wasn't really a market for that. There's not, you know, I anytime I look for DJ t-shirts, I just think they all look stupid and silly. So I wanted to create a store where you can have some really awesome designs. So that is coming down the pike. Keep an eye out for that. I don't have a release date, but that's coming soon. A um, couple of topics that are coming soon. We're going to talk about some lessons that younger DJs can learn from more seasoned and experienced DJs. Uh, we're going to do another pick three episode. If you remember a few episodes back, this was uh, where we talked, where we uh, 
me and my co-hosts each brought in three songs and talked about why we liked them and why they were important to us. We're going to do another one. This one's going to be a hip-hop edition. So we're all each going to bring in uh, hip-hop songs that we like or enjoy or are important to us or are important to hip-hop or whatever. For whatever reason, we want to bring it in. Uh, kind of a just for fun episode. We got great response from that, so we're going to keep on doing those. Uh, thanks for your feedback on that. Uh, we're also going to talk about how I fell for dance music. You know, a lot of people will write in or leave comments, and they a common theme has been, I want to know your story. I want to know how you got into DJing or how you got into dance music or how you got into whatever it is, some form of that question. And so we've received that enough times that I think that uh, we're all going to kind of bring in our stories and just dedicate one episode to sharing that. One more thing before I'm going to get into some comments. I know this is a long intro and we usually don't spend this long on intros, but just trying to get you guys caught up on the happenings of Passionate DJ. I've got some comments that I want to read, but um, I've got to take a moment to talk about Orlando. Um, Obviously, this uh, hugely tragic mass shooting that happened in in my country. this is something that I hesitated to even address because, being perfectly honest, I've seen a lot of other bloggers in the DJ space, in the electronic music space, and and is definitely not limited to, to those scenes. But I've seen a lot of uh, bloggers and inter- internet marketing types using the Orlando situation as a sort of gross self-promotion tool. And I, it really just does not sit well with me. So I didn't want to, I thought about writing an article because it did happen at a nightclub. Uh, these are things that are relevant to DJs, but it seemed really, it just seemed gross. Uh, a lot of the stuff that I was seeing on Facebook, and I'm not going to name any names or call out any particular organizations or anything like that, but it took all of two hours for clickbait titles to start popping up talking about one thing or another about the Orlando nightclub shooting and people, you know, I I just, I really didn't like the climate of it. So um, I feel okay bringing it up now um, because it's been a few weeks and also, um, I don't think that I'm going to be accused of using the Orlando shooting as a self-promotion tool for Passionate DJ by mentioning it in line in an episode. So I didn't want to dedicate a particular piece of content to it. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. Um, But I did just want to say that um, our hearts go out to those who are suffering in the um, LGBT community and uh, in Orlando in general. This is just a really sad case um, that seems to really be repeating itself quite a bit in our country. And, um, you know, a lot of the stuff that that we talk about on this show as far as, you know, house music and the origins of of different things, the gay community has been such a huge part of that. And as DJs and as people who are into clubbing or nightlife or just dance music in general— um, there, I, I know that there are a lot of 
hurting hearts out there right now. And some of them are direct because they were directly affected and, um, others, you know, like myself just kind of don't even know what to think and just wish I knew how to help. Um, anyway, I don't want to spend a whole lot more time on that, but our thoughts and, um, good vibes go out to all the families affected by this and, um, we'll just leave it at that. Okay. Anyway, let's get on to some comments. Um, this one comes from Facebook. This is from Terry Haymore, also known as Fat Soul. Good to see you, Terry. He's been uh, following us for a while now and interacts quite a bit on social media, so it's good to hear from you. He says, oh, this is in response to a question I asked, uh, what your favorite episode of the Passionate DJ podcast was. And he says, definitely my favorite show was one of the earliest ones about buzz and hype. I learned a lot, not just from a business standpoint, but by being more introspective as far as embracing my passion and being true to myself. At the time, I was doing video mixing and I was at a crossroads of deciding how to grow it and how to promote it. I went the buzz route, and although it took me longer to get things off the ground, it's the most rewarding results I've ever experienced. And to be fair, I have a very financially stable day job, so it gave me incredible financial freedom to be patient and take the time to craft my vision. I remember one of the comments you guys made on a recent show about how the public image of DJs can be easily seen as douchey or narcissistic. Sadly, this is true, and I believe that just as important as technical skill, people are looking for more sincerity in their DJs. Be real. With the abundance of DJs, coupled with the advancement in technology, I truly believe that Mike's skills and personality are going to have more of a renaissance. I, Terry, may not be or ever be the best DJ, but I can guarantee that no DJ can ever be the best Terry. Thanks again for the show, and more importantly, the inspiration. Hey, Terry, glad to be here, glad that we're inspiring you, and uh, it feels good to know that even, I think, the Buzz and Hype episode was episode two, so um, it's painful for me to go back and listen to episodes that are that early, <laughs> because I feel like we've come a long way since then, but I'm really glad to know that the message still resonates and that it's been working for you and we really appreciate your continued support so it's also from facebook this comes from amber d and this was posted from the official fan page of amber d she says i'm so thankful to find like-minded djs like you serving such a positive purpose to our music industry this is a cause i'm also very passionate about to help others on their own musical journey thank you for inspiring my own ideas of how to best present my knowledge, experiences, and advice through 15 years doing the job I love. I believe we are all capable of making our dreams come true, and inclusion, acceptance, and love is the way to achieve this for the benefit of all, not just a lucky few. Hey, Amber, no arguments there. Thank you so much for the kind comment. You guys are too kind. I uh, just, I don't know what to say. Uh, we are glad to be inspiring and helping DJs and that our message is resonating with you. Um, and, you know, we're all trying to grow together here. That's why I've changed my, you know, when I first started, I would say, uh, learn how to become a better DJ through passion and purpose. And that felt really guru, right? I, and I didn't want to do that um, because we're all learning together, right? I don't have any particular authority in the space, or, uh, you know, I'm not making millions of dollars doing this. This is just something that I love and something that as I learn about this, 
I would like to help my community to grow and learn along with me. So, uh, you know, absolutely. That's why, that's why we changed the, uh, the tagline from that to together we're becoming better DJs through passion and purpose. So Amber, I'm so glad that you're down for the cause and thank you so much for writing in. Now, the next couple of comments actually have to do uh, with last, well, I won't say last week's episode, but the previous episode, 48. Um, This one comes from SoundCloud and it's from King Vortex. And he says, how does the CDJ keep the DJ looking at the audience more so than a laptop? On both, you're still searching for tracks. My face is still above the laptop screen. So if you recall, we were talking about DJ hardware politics and the uh, you know the mess kind of going around about what kind of equipment belongs in the DJ booth, and we had this uh, nightclub owner in California who was saying no laptops in the booth, and it sparked this whole conversation. So one of us made the comment about DJ uh, DJs taking laptops out of the situation so that they can start looking at the crowd again, and King Vortex is saying, hey. CDJs still have screens. You, they still have buttons and knobs. You still got to look at them. What problem does that solve? And that's a fair point. Um, when I talk about, uh, personally, when I talk about getting the laptop out of my face, I, I quite literally mean that. Um, I use a laptop when I play. I'm a tractor guy. And I use, so I got a Control S8, which is basically currently my ideal situation because I just, I don't like having the laptop front and center. Um, There is something about having the computer there that draws some people in. I've gotten pretty good at ignoring it, but when it's right there in your face, your eyes are just drawn to that glowing screen, and a lot of people just don't like that. Um, And it's not just audience members, and I'm not saying this is something you have to do or should do or whatever. You know, I fully support using whatever equipment gets the job done, use whatever you like. The S8 is perfect for me because I can take my laptop and put it off to the side. I have all my feedback right there on the device itself. And it just, it doesn't feel like there's this, this rectangle, glowing rectangle between me and the audience. Do I think it's that big of a deal? No, I don't. Um, I think most people who have problems with laptops in the booth have a problem with perceived level of skill or automation or something like that. I don't think it's really that. Uh, That happens to be what it is for me. I just like having it off to the side and out of my way. So I just wanted to address that. That is a valid point. Yes, you can still get sucked into the CDJ or the Control S8 or the Newmark NV or whatever it is. You can still be drawn in and have that what they call Serato face. But yeah, that's, uh, I, d- I did want to go ahead and acknowledge that. That is a good point. That being said, we talked about, you know, in the last episode, the conversation between Seth Troxler and Richie Houghton on Twitter, where they were going back and forth about this. And I asked you guys to tweet if you agreed with Richie or if you agreed with Seth. Overwhelmingly, you guys agreed with Richie, which was that banning particular types of equipment in the DJ booth stifles creativity. Probably, I think it was like 10 to 1 people tweeted in favor of Richie over Seth. Now, that being said, I have a comment from J-Man, and this was on the, the blog itself for the podcast episode. And he says, as I listen to the podcast, 
one of the guests, and I, I think he means one of the co-hosts, mentions the fact that the owner is really manifesting his dislike for controllers as they represent his thoughts of DJs with a lack of skill and the symbolism of this feeling. I agree with Seth that beat matching is a skill that needs to be learned, but also that restricting a DJ's tools stifles the creativity of an artist. The owner has the right to do as he sees fit in his club, but from a stance of the DJ's tools, if you have the skills that meet the, quote, establishment's requirements, then it shouldn't matter what you're playing on. Also, like he said, if you're told you're going to have techniques to play on, be prepared and able to play on them. If a CDJ setup is what's available, then be prepared to play on them. Have the skills to adapt. That's really where the conversation needs to go. Do you have the skills required and are you versatile enough to play on just about any equipment? Then he warns us that he's getting on a soapbox. And he says, from a promoter perspective, there's nothing worse than having to book a DJ that only plays on X gear and refuses to play on anything else, regardless of having quality gear available. J-Man, thank you so much for the comment. Um, I really like what you said about the adaptability element. You know, it's, and this is something that's come up time and time again on the show, mostly because of that beat matching article that always gets everybody up in arms that I published ages ago. It's important to learn these, or it's helpful to learn these particular skills and how to play on standard equipment and stuff. Um, We're not saying that it makes you a bad DJ or not a real DJ if you play on this or that. Uh, We're just saying there are good reasons to learn. So thank you so much for your comment, J-Man. I really appreciate that. Got a comment from DJ Purple, Reggie Davenport. Sending in comments all the time. Thank you so much for your continued support, Reggie. He says, this is an issue that's been going on in Chicago for a long time now. Personally, I have no desire to use laptops or controllers in my sets, and that's just simply a matter of what my purpose is. I'm still a vinyl junkie, but I also use CDs. I prefer to touch and see my music when I play it. I'm the kinesthetic type quote, touchy-feely. Plus, I'm better at simply playing the songs through and highlighting segments via the EQ. With a laptop, I can't really see my music the way that I would want to. Serato, tractor, and controllers enhance, quote, other things that the DJ can do, like looping, extending samples, etc. But again, I'm not purposing myself to do all those tricks, so there's no value in me spending money on this stuff if I wouldn't be getting a real return on the investment. I have enough trust in my music selection to rock the crowd by blending the tracks for an extended period of time. If the next guy or girl wants to do tricks, that is on them, and as long as they rock the house, they will have my full support. As far as the club owner is concerned, it's not so much what you say, but how you say it. Since I'm not so much of a fan of the tricky wiki stuff, I would be up for spinning at the club in Glendale since I can get down using vinyl and CDs. But at the same time, I also agree that the way things were stated were abrasive. The owner can still save face by providing a calmer explanation of a stance against laptops, i.e., I prefer the use of X, Y, or Z in the DJ booth and will entertain booking DJs who can play the specific type of equipment. And then he says that, incidentally, I will be mentoring a 20-something in the art of spinning tunes, and I have no idea what my guy will be using. I just want to get him rocking the crowd. Awesome comment, DJ Purple. Thank you so much. Um, I can't really disagree with that. You know, part of our message here on Passionate DJ is that there are a lot of different types of DJs. There are a lot of different reasons for those DJs to exist. And there's a lot of different 
uh, pieces of equipment that are going to work better for one person's workflow or preferences versus another. Um, that doesn't mean that we have to draw lines and say, this is what a real DJ is, this is not. Um, I also really appreciate your uh, mentioning, the, talking about the way that you play. You know, a lot of people are really into effects, looping, uh, jumping around, finger drumming, uh, scratching, whatever it is. A lot of people are really into the long blend transition thing, telling a story uh, over time through music selection, and there's every color of the rainbow in between, right? So I'm really glad that you and other listeners really get what we're trying to say there and resonate with that message. So thank you so much. I've got one more. This one comes from Ivan Hackett. This is a blog comment also on the last episode, and he says... I personally think that if someone puts up the cash to buy a venue, they have the right to say how things go down. However, being an elitist or a snob isn't really fair to some really talented people, plus it exposes you as a dick. Even that's okay if you don't mind people smiling in your face and grumbling under their breath at you. I would love to get my hands on some 1200s and a good mixer or some CDJs, but my current financial situation puts me squarely in the USB controller realm. Hell, I'm looking forward to being able to afford a standalone in the near future. Does that mean I don't deserve to do something I love to do and I feel that I'm reasonably good at? If that's how you feel, I only have two words for you up yours. Just because something isn't your cup of tea, that doesn't mean I don't kill sets. It doesn't mean I'm not a DJ or an artist. I'm going to go back and read a sentence that he said, does that mean I don't deserve to do something I love to do and feel that I'm reasonably good at? And that's a really excellent point. Thanks for sending that in. You know, everybody talks about what uh, the appropriate gear or uh, software or uh, file format or genre or whatever it is. And if you do X or Y, then you're a real DJ in my book. And that really, I mean, that, that's really pretentious and stuck up attitude to have if you really think about it. And I think that our commenter here really, really brings that up. So just because I don't own a set of CDJs, but I put my heart and soul and passion into this, and because I'm using a different piece of blinky, flashy electronics than you, does that mean I don't deserve to do it? That's an excellent point, and I really appreciate you sending that in. So thank you so much. Now, we're already halfway through the episode, so we'd better get to our main topic. So what I would like to get to is the best and worst DJ traits. So a while back, I wrote two articles that kind of corresponded with each other. One was the five traits shared by great DJs, and the other was the five traits shared by awful DJs. And so I'm kind of taking those old articles and using those as the basis for our main topic today. I'm going to take each of these worst and best attributes and just take a few moments to talk about each. And uh, I would love to hear what you guys think about this. So um, obviously your voicemails would be super duper appreciated. All right. So the first, we're going to start with the worst traits or the traits shared by awful DJs <laughs> is another way that you put it. Because I want to get the negatives out of the way first and then move on to something a little more positive and upbeat. So the first worst trait of DJs, or the worst trait that a DJ can have, is apathy. 
if you can't relate to your audience, you can't deliver. When you're a DJ, and especially when you're a DJ in front of a, an audience or at a nightclub or something like that, the idea is to resonate with your audience in order to sort of enhance the experience of the night. So what I encourage DJs to do is put, put yourself in, in the shoes of your audience. Notice what's working for them and then try to figure out how you can relate to them in a musical sense, right? If you're not sure what, I, I should have wrote a definition down, but the best way I can describe it is meh. You, you just don't really care what your audience wants or thinks or enjoys. And a lot, a lot, a lot of DJs get caught up in this, uh, not caring at all what their audience wants to hear. And this is something that we've addressed on the show before. And and I agree that there is a place for creative control and all that kind of stuff and that, you know, you should be able to play what it is that motivates and inspires you and what got you into it in the first place. But my point is that if what you're doing, if, if in order to make your audience happy, if what you're doing makes you feel like a sellout, then you're probably pursuing the wrong gigs. Okay, so the trick would be to put yourself in front of an audience where you can find that common ground rather than holding them captive and forcing them to listen to whatever it is that you want to play that day. So if you're playing weddings and you're finding that you can't just play underground minimal techno for three hours at every wedding, then maybe you should rethink your strategy, okay? So number one, apathy. Number two, number two worst quality of a DJ, greediness. So what we're talking about is the DJ that's only concerned with his or her own desires. It kind of relates to number one. This DJ is rarely satisfied. They have trouble connecting with their audience. Um, and not only that, but oftentimes they can be caustic to uh, a local scene because it kind of brings in that diva syndrome, right? I'm not suggesting that you devalue yourself um, and play for free all the time. You know, that's not what I'm getting at. I think that you should know your worth and stand your ground wherever it's appropriate. And as a side note, a lot of you are writing in saying that your main struggle is making money as a DJ or getting paid as a DJ. I hear you. I hear your cries. And I wish I were more qualified to answer this, but I'm currently not really using DJing as a primary income source. So what I'm trying to do is talk to other people who are more experienced in that particular area, find different ways that people are monetizing they're DJing and still doing what they love um, and keeping the passion alive while getting their bills paid. Uh, for me, DJing is not my primary gig, at least not for now. So it's not something that I've put as much focus in as somebody who, say, wants to make their entire living as a DJ. What I do know is that a generous attitude, so say a DJ who's willing to give back to his or her audience or local scene or whatever, um, a generous attitude can often get you much farther than just simply taking whatever you can get. Okay. So apathy and greediness. Third worst trait for a DJ is flakiness. 
Okay. If you want to have success as a DJ, I'll tell you that it does require steady work. It requires constant delivery. It requires consistency. So if you're trying to build an audience, gain momentum, score better gigs, uh, if you're trying to get uh, connected with the right people, if you're trying to develop your sound, your personal sound and your brand, um, if you're trying to garner local support, all of this stuff requires steady, constant, consistent, sometimes boring-ass work, okay? Look, you're going to play your share of empty rooms. If you promote shows, you're going to lose money sometimes. This is part of the process, all right? You're not going to win them all. But when you try to advance without doing this steady and consistent work, if you're flaky, if you just kind of half-ass it all the time, you show up, you play your gig, you get out, um, you don't really think about it outside of that, um, it's a lot like trying to win the DJ lottery. And I'm specifically talking about people who complain about a lack of success or gigs or, or whatever, but aren't willing to put in the work. Um, flaky DJs who just kind of don't ever formulate a plan, don't ever try to logically think about how to advance themselves. It's like trying to win the DJ lottery. So what I mean by that is, let's say, for example... You've got, uh, let's say, two guys, Bill and Steve, and Bill has decided that he is going, his, they both want to have a steady income, and neither, let's say, neither of them have a job or anything like that. Bill decides that he wants to spend the next six months, you know, learning a new skill, taking some courses, learning how to build a business, creating an LLC, you know, doing all these things one step at a time and maybe steadily over time, you know, in two, three, five years, let's say he's finally made it and he's built his business, he has steady income, he's put the work in, it's taken a lot of effort, but he's got it. All right, and Steve, his approach is, I'm just going to keep buying lottery tickets until I make it. Okay. This is what we're talking about. This is the same thing. If you're just showing up and saying, I'm a DJ and playing the occasional gig and then complaining that you're not getting rich and famous or you're not getting gigs or you're not whatever the problem is, uh, well, of course. <laughs> this is not... The overnight success thing almost never happens, especially in DJing. And you're not going to convince me otherwise. I'm not saying it's never happened, but... It's almost always, you know, you don't see the, the 10 prior years of work that went into building a personal brand or building a sound or getting good at DJing or whatever it is. So all that to say, the DJ that has a lot of drive, a lot of heart, is way more likely to win the numbers game over time, okay? Next worst DJ trait is impatience. Now, there's kind of two sides to this. There's the more, I guess, meta level you know, realizing that when you're building a DJ career or a following or whatever, it's more of a marathon than a sprint, right? Um, it's not, this kind of goes into the overnight success thing. This is something that takes consistent, steady work. This also applies to 
a, a more you know micro level of in the moment when you're DJing, the idea of having a sense of tension and release, you know that ebb and flow that give them a little something and then take it back, build up the energy and take it back, that sort of thing. Understand having an understanding of that. Um, in other words, it's not go 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 all the time. It's more like let me take you somewhere. Now, there's a time and a place to to bang it out like that, and I understand that, and that's that's what some people do, and that's their thing. But my only point is to know when that time place is and don't inappropriately force it. Okay, so impatience. The final trait of awful DJs is stubbornness. Okay, sometimes we just flat out need to get over ourselves, um, do what's best for the event, venue, or scene, you know, in question. So standing your ground is one thing, but making everything all about you is, if you ask me, is just a fantastic way for people to stop paying attention, <laughs> okay? Nobody likes dealing with those stubborn, non-fluid type of people who just don't want to work with you. If you have a fluid approach to things like crowd reading or, uh, you know, if the venue changes or the mood in the room changes, you know, you're able to kind of make adjustments towards what's working. And in the long run, this will help, you know, this will help make you an effective and memorable music selector. Okay? So those are my, my top five worst DJ traits. Apathy, greediness, flakiness, impatience, and stubbornness. All right, now let's get on to what I consider. Now, this is obviously, this is all opinion. This is just my, my opinion on the best and worst traits. Number one, best trait, empathy. Okay, the definition of empathy is the ability to understand and share the feelings of another. Do you see why this could be important? as a DJ. Empathy, when you when you combine empathy with live testing, it's the very basis of crowd reading, okay? When you're standing up there and you're behind the booth, if you have the ability to relate to your crowd, to listen to them, to watch them, to gauge their reactions, and you combine that with live testing, what do I mean? Um, adding, removing elements, trying different things on the fly, and seeing what works, what catches people's attention, and then use that as data to kind of guide your set. Um, that doesn't mean you have to change it entirely, and this is only going to apply to DJs with this type of audience. You know, if you're doing like a, a, a scratch routine that's f five or ten minutes of planned out, you know, routine, obviously that's something different. I'm, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a nightclub situation or somewhere where you have that kind of crowd, okay? Great DJs are very situationally aware of what their music is doing to the crowd and and they're willing to pivot or, you know, sort of change directions if it's not working until they find a sound that resonates. And once they find what's working, then they can do more of that, or at least they can put that in the back of their mind that, hey, this crowd really likes 
gritty bass lines or this crowd really likes seems to like some melody um just to put that in the back of your mind and say okay i can use that later i can use that later in this hour or whatever later in the night so number one empathy killer skill for djs to have number two helpfulness now this one i'm just going to read straight from the article that i wrote okay Hate it or love it, the modern DJ has a tendency to wear many hats. Most of us not only play music, but operate as our own PR, promoters, booking agents, web designers, event planners, and so on. Time and time again, I've observed how, quote, busy bee DJs tend to be very well-rounded and in tune with their craft. They've gained perspective from all sides of the show. Not only this, but these DJs are a necessity for building a healthy, vibrant scene. When you do good things for those around you, it doesn't go unnoticed, and more people have a tendency to help you out. This sort of collaborative relationship only serves to push everyone forward, provided that everyone has a positive attitude and is motivated to advance. Okay, now that does sound real uh, hippy-dippy and and Tony Robbins-y, okay, but the reason I bring this up is I've seen how how much this works um, because I work with people like Trip and Tony who have a like-minded approach to promotion and DJing and the scene. Not that we all see eye to eye 100% on every little thing, but that would be boring, wouldn't it? So it's finding those people that you can align with and help you know it's that rising tide lifts all boats kind of mentality and especially you know i talk about our local scene here in dayton ohio where i live this is something that our scene could not exist if we didn't have people who just had that inherently helpful attitude okay so i i really feel like intentionally trying to provide value to people and whatever you do uh, really is just, it, that really just pays off. It shows that you're genuine. It shows that you're willing to do whatever it is for the cause and you're not all about yourself and people will respond positively to that, okay? Uh, third best quality for DJs, persistence. And we talked about the overnight success, right? That almost never happens. When becoming a DJ um, and really with most things in life that are worth doing, You've got to be prepared to fail more often than you'll win. All right. Very few flaky or inconsistent DJs have ever gotten anywhere. You need to be constantly trying things, constantly building your audience, constantly providing value, constantly pursuing gigs, um, whatever it is that your approach is to to building your audience or your career, do it a lot because most people do it a little and then complain when it doesn't work, okay? Persistence, super duper important. Following that up, I have patience, okay? Number four, this is obviously the counterpart to impatience, which I mentioned in the awful traits. Patience is is an inherent requirement for persistence. So you can't have the last item, persistence, without patience. So for me, 
my least favorite sets, like if I go to a show or something, my least favorite sets are the ones where it's just banger after banger after banger. This this is something, some people are into that, but to me, this just bores and tires me. There's only so much of that I can take, and I, I really feel like I'm not the only one because I've seen crowds react to this. I mean, big festivals and things are a little bit different, but, you know, bringing it down to earth in the everyday realistic scenario, if you're just playing all your big banging noisy tracks one after another with no real thought into that ebb and flow like we talked about earlier it just it's it's fatiguing okay it's hard to deal with hours of that the great dj learns when to fall back and conversely when to strike okay so patience and then finally last great trait for a dj adaptability this is a willingness to present your sound in a way that makes sense to the audience you're playing to okay so for some the key is to find out how you can relate to your own audience while still presenting a cohesive sound or a brand so i like the fact that at least here locally people have kind of gotten an idea of what david michael sounds like uh, some people probably have a wrong impression of what I sound like um, because they haven't heard me in a while and I'm constantly changing and I'm sure that's the eternal struggle, right? But but I have a brand and people recognize that and that's important, uh, especially if you're into performance DJing or uh, you know opening for big names and nightclub scene and that you know we're all all this stuff that's kind of in that context obviously there are different situations when you're talking about mobile djs and you know doing weddings and bar mitzvahs and corporate events and stuff that's a different thing you know if you have if what you do as a dj is primarily uh taking requests then you know this is going to be a different climate for you because i'm coming at this from a perspective of I really want to share my sound with people, okay? How can I do that and still relate to people, relate to the audience and give them what they want as well? So, you know, if you, in my opinion, the best DJs mate together the overall vibe of the venue, uh, the desires of the crowd, and the mood the DJ is trying to express. They're able to mate those all together to create one cohesive polished beautiful experience for everyone involved so those are my top five great dj traits empathy helpfulness persistence patience and adaptability so that's going to pretty much wrap it up for this episode of the podcast but i want you guys to think about one more thing that last item number five adaptability uh, this is something that's crucial in your development as a DJ. The more adaptable you are, the more options you have, and the more you can branch out, and the more you can do with that. Okay, so what I want you guys to think about, and if you want to, you can call these in, leave them as voicemails, leave a response, or leave a comment um, you know, below this uh, the show notes. But 
here's what I want you to think about. How can you use the first four items on the list? So how can you use empathy, helpfulness, persistence, or patience to be a more adaptable DJ? So if that doesn't make sense, let me give you an example. I'm going to take the first one, empathy. Empathy helps you relate to different audiences. So that makes, in turn, makes you willing to branch out and can lead to more or better gigs. All right, so having empathy leads to, uh, shows this adaptability in play, okay? So if you can think of other ways that you can use empathy, helpfulness, persistence, and patience to become more adaptable, I would love to hear about it. Um, that brings us up on about an hour. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in and listening. Uh, sorry once again that we missed last week, and Tony and Trip will be back for episode 50. We've got a lot of great stuff coming your way, so please, please stay tuned. Don't miss it. Thanks for listening to the Passionate DJ Podcast. Keep on spinning. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Passionate DJ Podcast at www.passionatedj.com. Check out the fan page at facebook.com slash passionatedj or on Twitter at DJ with Passion. And always remember to keep on spinning. Hey man, hey man, that's fun, that's fun, and if man, dang old, dang old DJ, man, just like with you going on, 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 down on, on there and all, on a dang, dang old David Ghetto, going on, going on, dang old, dang old, passionate DJ.